1 Corinthians 6, verse 19, and 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 11. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. Then continuing on page 785. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a, spirit, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the th- same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, min- miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Uh, Let me say a a quick word of prayer for our time together, and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to preach your word. Thank you for this opportunity to, to focus on your Spirit, your Holy Spirit. We pray that your Holy Spirit would just continue to move in this place, move our hearts and our minds, Help us to come to a greater understanding of who you are, but then also a greater love for who you are. That's in the name of your Son, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Now, in the summertime, it seems like, what's the summertime a time for? It's a time to travel, uh, perhaps go on vacation, or go to a conference. Next week, I'm going to a conference, the, the four C's. So we're part of a denomination called the Conservative Congregational Christian Conference. We're the four C's church. We're, we're a three C's church, Cornerstone Congregational Church, and a four C's denomination. So we're like the seven C's. It's a, it's a, a pretty wild name. But I'm going to go away next week, and since I'm not going to have time to prepare a message, I asked Bernie to preach. Uh, and so I gave him a choice. I gave him two topics. He could either preach on the Holy Spirit or on Satan, and Bernie chose Satan. (laughs) Now, I gave him this option, and I was actually kind of hoping he would choose the Holy Spirit, Uh, because I thought, you know, well, let's, let's, it seems easier to preach on Satan. You know, if you mess some facts up about Satan, it's not as big a deal as as, as messing up some facts about the Holy Spirit, about God himself. But actually, I'm really grateful for this opportunity to preach on who the Holy Spirit is tonight. And I hope that you'll experience a little bit of that as we go through this message. But because I was a little bit nervous, I did a little bit of extra preparation. And some of it I wanted to to share with you. We're going to go to the second slide, Anne. That would be great. Uh, So there are some books that I read. I read uh, Forgotten God uh, by Francis Chan. I read uh, a book, a uh, chapter, and something called Delighting in the Trinity by Michael Reeves. Uh, I read some articles from preaching today on, like, preaching in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I listened to a chapter uh, from a book, not once but twice, on kind of who the Holy Spirit is. So I feel like I got to sit at the feet of some people who 
know and understand who the Holy Spirit is better than I. And I want to share some of that with you tonight, who I believe the Holy Spirit uh, is and reveals himself uh, to be. Now, uh, in Francis Chan's second chapter, he asks, what are you afraid of? Now, I'm going to ask, and can you just go back all the way to the beginning? Can you get it to the very first slide? Is there something, can you, is there not any more slides than that? All right, we're going to, st- we're going to stick there. Uh, but Francis Chan asks in his second chapter, like, what are you so afraid of? Now, maybe some of you have heard about the Holy Spirit, and you're a little bit nervous about him as well. When I think about the Holy Spirit, I think one of the reasons that I uh, sometimes perhaps get nervous uh, is because I don't want to get the Holy Spirit wrong. Like, I don't want to get the Holy Spirit's leading wrong in my life and the things that he is calling me to do. Maybe when you think about the Holy Spirit, you don't want to get him wrong either. Now, I don't come from a tradition that really emphasized the Holy Spirit. I come from a Baptist church out in Colorado, and we didn't really talk about the Holy Spirit a whole lot. In fact, we were what I would consider maybe a little bit wary of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, like speaking in tongues and doing miracles and and prophecies, some of those things we read in our scripture passage. Now, that was my experience growing up, and I know each of you comes from some sort of experience as well. Maybe you, this is your first time at church, and you're like, well, who is the Holy Spirit? Okay, well, I hope you'll understand who he is. Maybe you uh, come from a, a church that, uh, that really talked about the Holy Spirit or not at all. But I want to ask us the question, especially for our people that have been coming week after week, who do we want the Holy Spirit to be in our lives? How do we want to relate to him? What, what type of presence do, of the Holy Spirit do we want to have in our church? Do we want to be wary of him and kind of push him away? Or do we want to welcome him and embrace him in our church? Now, I truly believe, kind of as I was studying this and, and even long before this, that like, the Holy Spirit is essential. The Holy Spirit is essential for us to succeed as a church the Holy Spirit is essential for us to succeed as individual followers of Jesus. We can't follow, we can't be disciples of Christ without him. But because understanding the Holy Spirit is like a, a difficult thing, I want to I kind of make it real simple. We're going to talk about who the Holy Spirit is, his person. We're going to talk about the work of the Holy Spirit, like what the Holy Spirit does. And then finally, we're going to talk about our response to the Holy Spirit, what, what, what we should do. So first, I want to look at this question, who is the Holy Spirit? Now, we, we just watched that video, and you heard kind of the Hebrew word for, for spirit, ruach, and it, it, it kind of going to this idea of energy and wind. Well, both the, the Greek and the Hebrew for spirit mean wind or breath, And this signifies like the life-giving power that the Holy Spirit gives not just Christians, but but all things. The Holy Spirit sustains and empowers everything, but then Christians in a special way. Now, the Holy Spirit's also likened, like kind of compared to uh, or described as oil, fire, and water in the Old Testament. 
And in Genesis 1 and Matthew chapter 3, the Holy Spirit's compared to this bird. So we see the, the bird hovering over the, the surface of the deep in Genesis. And then at Jesus' baptism, what happens? A, a, a bird comes down and, and, and kind of envelops Jesus' presence. So we see all these different images, and we've got to ask, well, what is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, first, the Holy Spirit is God. Our articles of faith on the Holy Spirit begins, we believe in the Holy Spirit who comes forth from the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit, so, then is, is just as much God as the Father and as the Son, as Jesus Christ. Now, Terry gave a message a couple weeks ago in which he really showed this. He really demonstrated uh, the Holy Spirit being God. And he, he drew from the story of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. Now, if you don't know this story, this is of a story of two, two people, a couple, and they had a piece of property. And they wanted to do a good deed, but they, they really wanted to do it for selfish reasons. So they sold this property, and they, they brought the money to Peter, the leader of the church. And they said, here's all the money for our land. But the truth was that they were holding back a portion of that money for themselves. And Peter says this in Acts 5, verses 3 through 4. Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to humans, but human beings, but to God. So what do we see there? When they lied to the Holy Spirit, who they lied to? They lied to God. So the Holy Spirit, therefore, is God. Now, just by being called the Holy Spirit... Uh, the Holy Spirit becomes something we, we don't really understand how to relate to. Now, Lifeway, a research, uh, they're, they're, they're a publisher, they, they recently published a survey, and it asked if respondents agreed with this statement, the Holy Spirit is a force, not a personal being. So the Holy Spirit is a force, not a personal being. Do you agree that this statement is true or it's not true? And I thought we would take a little poll tonight, uh, but I want it to be kind of a private poll. So would everyone just close their eyes with me? So just close your eyes. Now, if you think, with all your knowledge coming here, that the Holy Spirit is a force, not a personal being, just raise your hand. All right. You can put down your hands now. All right. Now, if you, if you believe the Holy Spirit is a personal being, raise your hand. All right, you can put down your hands now. So everyone can open your eyes, and uh, everyone got it right except for Bernie. So uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Now, 51% of the people said that the Holy Spirit is a force, so not a personal being. 7% weren't sure. So if you didn't raise your hand, like you're, you fall in the 7%. And then 42% affirmed that the Holy Spirit is indeed a person. Now, the correct answer is the Holy Spirit is indeed a person. He's a, a, a person that we can have a relationship with, a, a personal being. 
And if you got that, that survey wrong, uh, no worries, it's okay. We're here to learn about God's word and we're here to learn about the Holy Spirit. So I hope that you'll be extra invested uh, in this message. So the Holy Spirit is a person, not a force. Now, we as Christians, we would differ from some other religions when it comes to who the Holy Spirit is. So, for example, the Jehovah's Witnesses, they believe the Holy Spirit is a force, not a person. But we believe that the Holy Spirit is not an it. It's not a thing, but a he, a a him. Uh, uh, Not something, but someone that we can have a relationship with God through. Now, we see this in a variety of places in the the whole story of Scripture, but I want to highlight three different areas. The fact that the Holy Spirit has a mind, feeling, and will. So looking first at the Holy Spirit having a mind, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. It says, The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So the Holy Spirit has a mind, thoughts. The Holy Spirit also has Feelings, Ephesians 4, verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So sin, when we sin against God, it brings grief to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is saddened by our sins. And finally, the Holy Spirit has a will. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says, All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So the Holy Spirit has a will, desires that he acts upon. Now there's a variety of other things that, uh, that the Holy Spirit does as a person that he couldn't do if he were a, it or a thing. He teaches, he comforts, he, he advocates, he helps, he encourages. These are all things that the Holy Spirit does. Now, if you came here imagining that the Holy Spirit was some sort of force, like that's, that's very understandable. Uh, you know, we are kind of influenced with these ideas about who God is from all sorts of places. And I recently uh, had someone approach me with a serious complaint about my preaching. And he said, you know, I really want more Star Wars illustrations in your sermons. So today I wanted to talk about the force. What is the force? Well, it's holy men, right, who, who, uh, who meditate and they, they do their thing and they can move ob- objects and uh, they can fight and they can trick people's minds all with this invisible like thing that's flying around that, that no one really knows what it is except for George Lucas who calls it midichlorians. That's a really inside joke for those that know Star Wars. Now, if we start to think about the Holy Spirit this way, what does it do? <laughs> it, 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 the Holy Spirit becomes like this substance then that we can like mold and, and shape and get to do our bidding, get to do our will. And does that sound like God to you? <laughs> no. We can't manipulate God even through like our prayers or like living a holy life. We can't get him to do our will. He's, he's the Lord of the universe. The Holy Spirit was there at creation, hovering over the surface of the deep. Do you think he's going to be controlled by us? No. The Holy Spirit leads us. 
He controls us. And I confess, like, I struggle with this. You know, I, when I do pray, you know, and ask the Holy Spirit to show up in things like preaching, it's often, like, for my own wants and my own desires. Holy Spirit, would you show up so that I look good? Would you show up so that, like, I'm a success? You know, would, I, would, would you show up in other aspects of my life so that I can succeed in those aspects, so I can get the, the dreams and the accomplishments that I want? Instead, we're called to approach the Holy Spirit humbly, saying, oh, I'm going to follow you. You're, you're going to lead me. Where do you want to go? So the Holy Spirit is a personal being. He's not a force. Now, this kind of leads me to the next question. Well, what does the Holy Spirit do? What are the Holy Spirit's works? Now, in our article of faith, we just read it as a, as, a, as, a, as a congregation, as a body here. And if you noticed, most of it has to do with the works or the actions of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read it again for you. We believe in the Holy Spirit who comes forth from the Father and the Son. Okay, so that's kind of who the Holy Spirit is. He's God. He's a personal being. But the rest of it has to do with what he does. He convicts the world of sin concerning, concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. The Holy Spirit regenerates, dwells within, sanctifies teaches, empowers for service, intercedes, and comforts all who believe in Jesus Christ. Now, I wanted to, to focus a little bit on these ideas of the Holy Spirit convicting of sin and righteousness and also regenerating, regeneration. That's not like some, a word that we use in our like, everyday vocabulary. And so what does this mean? It means that the Holy Spirit gives spiritual life and he sanctifies. The Holy Spirit gives spiritual life, and he sanctifies. Now, the story that we believe is the story of the Bible. And the story of the Bible starts wonderfully. It starts good. It starts perfect. In a, this beautiful garden, this beautiful creation where God is with people and dwelling with them. But then what do Adam and Eve, the, the very first human beings, do? They sin against God. They break the relationship. They say, God, I'm going to do my life my way, not your way. And that introduces sin. And, and through that, you know, uh, God said, you know, in the day you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. Well, they do die. They die spiritually. Every single human being has died spiritually since then. That means that when we're born, we're, we're actually born spiritually dead. We're, we're born stillborn. Uh, and we see this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. It says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. And so what does the Holy Spirit do? Well, he comes and he gives us life. So I don't know about you, but I have never met like a, a dead person that can resuscitate themselves, that can uh, perform CPR on themselves, who can save themselves. And so I believe the Holy Spirit does that to dead souls. He comes in. And he brings us to life. And this gets at that idea of regeneration. Regeneration is being born again. It's being born into like a new life. No longer am I dead spiritually, I'm alive spiritually. You experience like this personal spiritual resurrection coming back to life. And we see this in John chapter 3 verse 5. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. So being born again is what regeneration is and what it means. Now, 
how do you know if you've been regenerated? Well, if you have uh, confessed your sins and you, you feel convicted and you've, you've put your faith in Christ Jesus for your eternal salvation, that's a sign of regeneration. That God is bringing you to life through the Holy Spirit. And he's giving you kind of this, this new spiritual vitality. In our articles of faith don't say whether regeneration comes before or after faith. Now, I personally believe, and I think the scriptures teach us, that the Holy Spirit has to bring you to life for you to experience faith. But if you disagree with me there, that's okay. But the, the amazing thing is that when the Holy Spirit gives you life, it's not just like, like uh, you know, he goes around with a wand and kind of taps you into life. How the Holy Spirit brings dead people to life is actually by entering into them, by coming and dwelling inside of people. We see this in 1 Corinthians 6, 19. It says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. Wow. I mean, if, if you have like put your faith in Christ Jesus, there is something that has absolutely changed about you at your core. <laughs> and it's that your core is no longer your own. Your core is no longer dead to, because of sin. Your, your, your core, like the very innermost part of your being is inhabited by God, by God himself. This is truly amazing. This is, this is kind of what, this is what Christians believe. This is the story of Scripture. Now, the Holy Spirit does stuff when he's there. He does stuff inside of you. Now, maybe some of you have uh, had different experiences of living with someone who's like either cleaner than you and more organized and neater than you, or you've lived with someone or uh, stayed with someone who was like dirtier and messier and uh, less organized than you. Well, I've experienced both. So growing up, uh, I think one of the messages I received was that cleanliness was like right there with godliness. And so I grew up kind of very like clean and organized. And then I went to seminary and I had a roommate who I think it was his mission to teach me that cleanliness and godliness are not the same thing. <laughs> he wanted to teach me that's a work of grace. Now what the Holy Spirit does is he comes into our lives. He comes into that place that's messy, that's dirty, and that is sinful on the inside of us. And he begins to clean up. He begins to organize and to, to polish that, that dirty, precious stone. He, he begins to transform you from the inside out. And this is what we as Christians and what the Bible calls sanctification, where God is changing you. Sanctification is the process of becoming holier and more like Jesus through the work of the Holy Spirit. Now we see this in Romans 8.29. It says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Now, how do we know if we're being sanctified? How do we know if we're becoming more like Jesus Christ? Well, it's if we are bearing fruit. The Bible calls this the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 through 23 says, 
But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So this is kind of the signs of things we should be experiencing if the Holy Spirit is in us, molding us, changing us. And these verses describe Jesus Christ perfectly. See, Jesus lived a perfect life. He was perfectly loving, perfectly joyful, perfectly at peace. He expressed perfect patience and perfect kindness and goodness and faithfulness. And the good news of Christianity is that, yes, none of us are ever going to be perfect in this way in this lifetime. But somehow, mysteriously, when we put our faith in Jesus and we confess that we're broken individuals and we're sinners, God spiritually kind of grants us all of these things. He grants all the, all the fruit of the Spirit that Jesus has. He, he puts on us. And so God sees us as like perfectly perfect. And then it's through the course of our life, through sanctification, that we become what we already are. It's through the course of our daily existence, depending on the Holy Spirit, growing as followers of Jesus, that we, we come to a realization of who we are already in Jesus. And that's what sanctification is. And one day, when we die and go to be with Jesus, we'll enter the next phase, which is called glorification. And glorification is awesome, because you're perfect. No longer do you have to wrestle with that kind of that sin on the inside that you still struggle with. Because you'll be with Christ. You'll be perfectly holy. Now, I wanted to kind of give you uh, uh, some pictures of what sanctification is and how it plays out in our lives. And I mean, it can be discouraging, right? Because we all go through times where like, man, I, I'm really doing well. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm walking in step with the Spirit. I'm honoring God. And I feel like, oh man, I can, I, can, I can clearly see these fruit of the Spirit and other people can see them in my life as well. But there's, there's other times when, well, it doesn't seem like the fruit of the Spirit is there and we seem like we're going through a rough patch and aren't honoring God with everything. And so there's this nice graph. This is actually a picture of the Dow Jones <laughs> Industrial Average uh, over the last hundred years. And you can see it's headed up. But I like this picture. I, I'm a, a finance guy. I have a, a finance undergrad. I like this picture because it illustrates kind of the, the journey of sanctification, of making us more and more like Christ Jesus through the course of our lives. There will be ups and there will be downs. But just trusting that God's at work inside of us and we can believe in his work through Christ Jesus. Now, I wanted to show, maybe you're not a finance person and, uh, and, and maybe you're, something's popping into your mind, like you're thinking of a person, well, by the end of their life, like they didn't seem much more like Jesus. Like they weren't nice individuals, but they claimed to be Christians or, you know, you're pretty sure that they followed Jesus. So I wanted another picture that also illustrated kind of sanctification. And so I brought you a picture of a ball of yarn. Now, uh, this uh, kind of the, the idea with this is that as we come to Jesus, right, the story begins. The, the, the thread, the yarn begins, and it begins to, to roll and to overlap, and we begin to see patterns of God's grace. And by the course of our life, what do we have? We have a whole, like, beautiful, like, almost messy ball of sanctification, that we have grown in Christ's likeness through the course of our lives, even if we can't always see it or we can't always distinguish the pattern. 
So I like both of these illustrations. Maybe next time we talk about sanctification, I'll have a third one. But I think the, the point is that the Holy Spirit, he saves us and he sanctifies. Now, I also want to talk about the next kind of work that the Holy Spirit does, because he does a lot. The next thing he does is he gives gifts to the church. And we see this, uh, that, that, that Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. He's going to be with you, and he's going to give you gifts. Uh, the Holy Spirit was promised by Christ in John chapter 16, verse 7. He says, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So the Holy Spirit's called the advocate, the helper. And we see him come at Pentecost. So there, that was part of the video where the little flames were above the believers' heads. This, the founding of the, uh, the, the early church. In Acts chapter 2, verses 2 through 4 say, Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So this is the inaugural visit of the Holy Spirit to the church. And what do we see him doing? He, he, gives, he gives power. He gives uh, the, the ability to speak here in other languages to these early Christians. And as we go through the, the kind of the story of the New Testament, we see the Holy Spirit giving other gifts. And I wanted to bring kind of a list to you today of the different areas that we find the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. In Romans, we find prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, liberality, giving aid, and acts of mercy. Now, in 1 Corinthians, we actually find a different list, right? And we read this list today. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, working of miracles, prophecy, distinguishing spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And in Ephesians and 1 Peter, we find other lists that are a little bit shorter. And what this tells me is that the Holy Spirit gives all sorts of different gifts for kind of the edification of the church, right? So someone might have the, the gift, the ability to, to teach and to preach. And so the, the Holy Spirit gives that to someone for the church body. But on the other hand, the Holy Spirit might give, uh, you know, playing an instrument and, and singing or, or doing, uh, you know, accounting or bookworking or uh, welcoming people, hospitality. See, I don't believe these lists are comprehensive but representative and that the Holy Spirit's giving new gifts to us today uh, in which to bless the church, to bless the mission of God. And that's what gifts are used for. Like gifts are not used to just kind of you know, make my life better, to make my life easier. It's used to help the local church, so a place just like this, and the people in it grow and accomplish the mission that God has given them. Now, some of these gifts are a little controversial. Maybe you come from a church background and you know that the gift of speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues and like miracles and prophecy, like those can be really divisive gifts. If you don't, come from a church background and know that, just, just bear with me. Now, uh, there's a reason that, that these gifts are sometimes controversial. It's because they can lead to church division. They can leave, lead to, uh, to, to splits and to kind of abuses, abuses of the gifting. Uh, but I, I hope that as a church, you know, we will define our position not as, well, we're never going to, uh, to 
be open to those giftings, but I hope that we'll seek to honor God in them. So we'll be open and seeking to honor God in all things, even these things that, well, maybe make me personally feel a little bit uncomfortable. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 talks about using tongues specifically, and it says to use it carefully in an orderly manner and that there's always to be an interpreter. So the Bible itself doesn't say, don't use gifts, don't use these gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, I don't think we'll ever be a charismatic church. A charismatic church is where like, these things are prioritized. So you would go to a regular service and you'd probably hear speaking in tongues. I don't think that'll ever be cornerstone. But I pray that we won't like, close ourselves off to the possibility of the Holy Spirit wanting to give us these gifts. Like, the Holy Spirit is God. And if he wants to give us a gift, I hope that we'll be open and seeking to honor God in all things, but be careful, discerning, test the Spirit, test the gifts, and see if God wants to give them to us and be blessed by them. So the Holy Spirit gives gifts to the church. So we talked first about the person. It's God, it's a person, his works, he gives gifts, he sanctifies, he, he gives spiritual life. Now how should we as individuals respond to the Holy Spirit? Well, in 1 Corinthians, in the chapter right after, well, we, in the verses following the ones we read, that Alan read, the scriptures talk about the church as a body with many parts. In other words, the Holy Spirit gives these gifts to different individuals. So he might give hospitality to one person and serving to another and teaching to a third. And if each part, if this is like a body and each part is described as like a part of the body, that means each gifting and each person is important. And that means when we each use our gifting in the way God intends to serve the local church, the, the, the body is functioning correctly. But this also means that if we're not using our gifting in the local church, we're actually saying, well, th- this pinky is like not going to move. <laughs> this ear is not going to hear. This eye is not going to see. I'm removing myself, but in so doing, I'm actually hurting the whole church body. And so my first encouragement, my first challenge is to seek his gifting. Seek the gifting of the Holy Spirit. Now, personally, I just wanted to to share a little bit about, like, my kind of journey with this. Now, Uh, we all have giftings that the Holy Spirit gives us, right? And sometimes it's rather surprising. The Holy Spirit uh, (laughs) apparently gave me this gift of speaking and preaching and teaching. And when I grew up, like, (laughs) my brothers would make fun of me for mumbling all the time. So I never expected to ever be in a position where I would be speaking in front of others. I feel a little bit like Moses, who says he's like slow of speech and, uh, and of tongue. And it's amazing how like the Holy Spirit, God wants to, 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 to not use us necessarily where we have it all together, where we're strong. He wants to use us in our weakness, in those places that we don't know if we're going to do a good job sometimes. I truly believe that. Because when the Holy Spirit works in our weakness, what happens? Who gets the credit? It's not us. (laughs) It's the Holy Spirit. It's God. And so I I, I pray that 
together, as we do this, this thing called church, and as we use our giftings, that we will always give glory to God. We'll say, you know, we're all weak, broken humans, but wow, look at what God is doing through you and through me. Let's praise him together. Now, there was a, as I was reading uh, Francis Chan's book, uh, Forgotten God, I was struck by one of the questions he asked us. And I want to challenge you with this question. Uh, his youth pastor once asked him, what would your church and the worldwide church look like if everyone was as committed as you are? So let's assume for a moment that whatever you're bringing to the church, that everyone else brings that same level of using their gifting. That's a pretty challenging question. Would the church suddenly like freeze up and fall down dead? <laughs> or would the church flourish and be alive because everyone's using their gifting because everyone's just like you? At small group, uh, Joe and, and Jenny, uh, we just finished up our small group, but they asked a, a really interesting icebreaker question a couple weeks ago. It was, if you could do any job, any job in the world, and you knew you would be fully equipped for it, what job would that be? Uh, so Joe wanted to be president. <laughs> uh, Andrew wanted to play professional golf. And I was like, ah, I'd like to direct some movies. Now, the holy, <laughs> the holy God of the universe, the Holy Spirit has gifted us. He has like supernaturally empowered us to serve what, what, what the Bible calls the bride of Christ. The church is called the bride of Christ. Why would we ever want to do any of those things when we can be serving the most important body right here as we go through our life week after week? I want to encourage you to seek the gifting of the Holy Spirit. If you are someone who comes here regularly, and if this is your first time, like I'm not saying like next week you need to be handing out bulletins, <laughs> not at all. But if you haven't been serving yet, like now's the time. The Holy Spirit has gifted you. He has called you. Get involved. Go talk to someone that you think, oh, maybe I could do that thing. And just go through a discernment process. We're not going to make you feel bad if that's not where you're gifted, if that's not where you're called. But the Holy Spirit promises to gift us and equip us where he does call us. So the first kind of encouragement is to seek his gifting, and the second is to seek his filling. Ephesians 5.18 says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is different than that initial indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The filling of the Holy Spirit is like this special anointing where we kind of are, are, just, are just filled up with the presence of the Holy Spirit, of God himself. And this is how we use our gifts when we're filled. And Paul Little, he challenged me to think about this a little differently. When I think of the filling of the Holy Spirit, like I think of pouring water from like one glass, from God's big, big glass into like my little, little glass. To me, that's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What does that do? It makes the Holy Spirit like, like an it, like a thing. Remember, the Holy Spirit is a person. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be in relationship, to be in relationship with God himself, to know someone to talk to someone, to open yourself up and say, know me, I want to know you. Come and search out my heart. Lead me through life. Let's dance through life. Come and, and work, work out my sins from the inside out. Being in relationship 
with a personal being is what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We can enter into that relationship through just asking the Holy Spirit to come. If you believe in Christ and you have confessed your sins, you do have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. But that's different than experiencing like the life-giving presence of God day by day. We need to take time each day to invite God, the Holy Spirit, to come into our lives and to lead us through the day, to lead us in relationship. This is why we pray. This is why we even fast, so that we can experience the presence of God. And as the Holy Spirit like, gives you a greater love for Christ Jesus, that is a sign that he's filling you. Because the Holy Spirit isn't a selfish person. He, he folks our mind and our attention on the cross, on Christ. And so as you grow in your love for him, know that you're being filled with the Holy Spirit. So I want to leave you with my, my big idea, which is to seek the gifting and the filling of the Holy Spirit. I'm so grateful that I got to spend this week thinking about the Holy Spirit and what he can do. So thank you, Bernie, for preaching on Satan. I hope that you'll come back next week and you'll hear that message because he is also another being that we need to learn about and to know about. But I pray that each one of you will be like challenged to, to, to humble yourself, to invite the Holy Spirit to work in your life this week, to be sensitive to his leading. Seek the gifting and the filling of the Holy Spirit. Let me pray. Father God, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for what you do in us and through us. We're so grateful for the Holy Spirit. We're so grateful for Christ. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen.